Are you going to do it? I don't think they're ready. They're not ready. I'm back! Woo! All right! Be the bridge, be the you are listening to the Be The Bridge podcast with Latasha Morrison. How are you guys doing today? It's exciting. Each week, Be The Bridge podcast tackles subjects related to race and culture with the goal of bringing understanding. But I'm going to do it in the spirit of love. We believe understanding can move us toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial unity. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be The Bridge, which is an organization responding to racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. This podcast is an extension of our vision to make sure people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so now. Without further ado, let's begin today's podcast. Oh, and stick around for some important information at the end. Hello, I'm Tandria Potts, and I will be your guide through the awesome conversation I had with none other than Be The Bridge's founder and leader, Latasha Morrison. Latasha is back. If you follow the Be The Bridge podcast week to week, then you are aware that Latasha has been away because of her father's passing due to COVID. Well, rather than Latasha jumping back into the hosting chair, we thought you all should hear from her on a more personal level, on a variety of topics and based on things that have happened since you've last heard from her. This was such a good conversation that we had to break it up into two parts. Today's episode is also part of a series that we will sprinkle throughout this podcast season that we call Take It to the Bridge. So be on the lookout for more shows like this and the next one in the coming weeks. There are a number of topics we're going to get to, but I think it's appropriate for Latasha to let you all know how she's doing after going through such a tough period in her life. Man, it's been an, I tell you, interesting year. That's the only word I can think of right to now. It's interesting. Interesting. Uh, it's been, you know, tough, but mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. midst of tough, like there's these glimmers of, um, of good, mm, you know, mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. It's that whole thing of like, you know, how we can have our, our, um, you know, joy in the midst of sadness or right. sorrow, and right. Um, so it's like that. But yeah. it's been some good, yeah. a good time. A time. And I isn't it isn't interesting how you have to juggle the two, and you yeah. have to you have to acknowledge what's good. Mm-hmm. You know, give some honor to the joy yeah. that, that is there. But then at the same time, go right back to the fight, right back mm-hmm. to the tragedy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. How's that been life, going for you? Because life doesn't stop. Yeah. You know, so I mm-hmm. think I think for me, you know, trying to find that, that balance of um, I'm just grateful that I'm able to see goodness in the midst of sorrow, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because for some people that's not. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's a gift to be able to see the good mixed with the sorrow or the good mixed with the despair in that right. sense, you know, because right. that, I mean, to me, that's a gift because everybody doesn't have that. That's so right. for me, I think having to balance that where things are not all bad, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Things are not all good either. And to be honest and not try to fake it through and say you're okay when you're not okay, Mm -hmm, you know. mm -hmm. Um, Lost is a real thing. It's something that 
we all journey through. But when it's unplanned loss, that hits you like at a at a I think just in a deeper way, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it just hits you in a way where it kind of takes your breath, you know, and I think right. it's like, it's one thing to like hold your breath, mm-hmm. but when something takes your breath, wow. you know, trying to breathe through, mm-hmm. you know, when you can't catch your breath, that's you know, right. and so that's kind of like, if I can if give an uh, analogy of what that, what this period has felt like, mm-hmm. it just feels like your, your breath have been taken it's like it's almost this disbelief where and I feel like I'm still there it's not like Mm -hmm. it's you know like that's over but Mm -hmm. you do feel like this disbelief like you know I will it's not a week that has gone by then I'm like dang my dad is not here Mm. right you know right but then also knowing that you're not in this alone. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many of my friends that have lost a parent or people who have lost loved ones. Like um, through my father, you know, passing of COVID, there's um, 500 people, hmm. 500,000 right, people right. that um, I wish it was just no people, but, right, <laughs> you know, sure. but um, 500 sounds better than 500,000 mm-hmm. um, that I'm connected with, you know, just here in this country, but that grief connects us internationally too, mm-hmm. across the globe to millions of people who are dealing with the same thing. And for some, it's both parents or some, it's a child or an entire family, you know, that's grieving several family members, you know. Right, right. Um, so I always, I have to look at those, <laughs> the, the flip side of things too, where I always look at, okay, this is my, this is what I'm dealing with. But I also am mindful of what other people are dealing with. That's how I process. Okay. Because I always process that it could be worse. With the success of vaccinations, many are so ready to move forward that they don't want to address inequities that occurred throughout this past year. The sad part is that even during a pandemic, our American caste system reared its ugly head to the detriment of the disenfranchised and marginalized groups in our country. That's why I asked this question. Can you share a little bit about the fact that people of color, black people, Mm. have life to contend with and all the challenges of life? We, like everyone else, have had to wipe down our groceries, mm-hmm. make sure we don't, uh, you know, we, we take care of everything we need to take care of so that COVID, this pandemic, doesn't affect us, you know, in some devastating way. But at the same time, we, unlike, you know, the majority culture here in this country, have to contend with violence, mm. systematic violence, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and it, it doubles down when it comes to the pressure and, and all of, and the stress on mm-hmm. us as a people, um, as a leader mm. within in this time, mm-hmm. how have you felt and processed the fact that major these two major things are going on in your life? Yeah, yeah. The pile on is real. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, it takes great depth and, and also great strength. You know, um, I, I, that's why I always say we are, walking miracles, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I actually say we're freaking miracles For because sure. um, just what we've had to endure historically 
and that any type of, um, you know, pandemic is already a pile on on the racial pandemic that we've been dealing with for decades, for centuries. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a marginalized group um, that are impacted by so many things, you know, from healthcare to, um, you know, education, on top of that, we're dealing with the pandemic and all that comes with that when you're a marginalized group, when you are a group that um, has has seen this historical you know, um, oppression. Um, And then when those things have not been dealt with over centuries, when something like a pandemic happens, it's going to hit the most vulnerable. Right. You know, it's going to hit, you know, these systemic issues. Like those things don't go away. You know, when we're dealing with what we're dealing with in healthcare as it relates to racial biases, those don't go away during a pandemic. You know, when you're dealing with environmental things, those things don't go away during a pandemic. So it's the pile on um, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. we're seeing. And then, you know, it seems like when... We, you know, got word when they did a a study as far as, you know, at last in 2020 in April, who was dying, like how many people, how, who was being impacted by this. And it was brown and black people that were being impacted um, the most uh, when you think about deaths and you relate that to um, the lack of health care resources um, because we do live generationally. Um, and then you look at areas in which we live, essential workers, all of those things. Um, and so, and then, you know, a few, <laughs> it's like a week after that, it seems like after those statistics came out, it was like all these open up, you know, protests came. Right. And in right. the midst of, you know, our community grieving mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, no empathy, you know, still just this display of apathy and, and you know, and you're dealing, you know, at that time we were dealing with a lot of lies. Lies. Let's deal with one lie. That being that all Christians think alike. Newsflash, univocal thinking in the church is a farce that brought me to this question. Let's pick up the conversation here. So polarization has caused division in churches, especially in multicultural churches. Case in point, some view Dante Wright's murder as an accident. Others see it as a public lynching. Some view Officer Joe Gutierrez's conduct as understandable and how he dealt with Lieutenant Karan Nazario, while others are beyond disgusted and appalled. Um, but both sides claim Christ as their savior, and often these two groups go to the same church. So um, I don't want to really deal with the nuances of the two cases, but the tensions are not only palpable, but polarizing. Are these differences solvable? They're only solvable if the those that have power, those that are in majority, are going to listen to and have um, enough humility to elevate the voices of the groups that are being harmed, you know, unless you're willing mm-hmm. to listen, um, because there are a lot of, I would say, people in the church that are, um, they have a lack of hearing mm-hmm. and are either they're listening to um, be combative or listening to give their opinion or their thought where there's so much information that's missing mm-hmm. um, a, as it relates to policing here in America. Um, we're having the same conversations. None of these conversations are new. 
These are the same mm-hmm. conversations that people were having 60 years ago. So true. These are the same conversations um, that were happening, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, where this is the uh, aerial assault from mm. the the police was used on American citizens, you know. That's right. Um, and so this is not a new conversation. Um, but the thing, what I, I see now is, is that there wasn't social media, there wasn't videotape. And now there's an opportunity here. Right. And some people, even in the midst of this opportunity, they're going to still not believe what they see mm-hmm. because what we see is driven by our belief systems. That's right. And if our belief systems are, you know, connected to, um, you know, this the, these racial biases and stereotypes That's and right. this belief that one group is... Um, superior and um, that, you know, one group is better and that these things are all related to behavioral and not systemic, um, we're going to still be here 100 years from now. Right. And, you know, this next generation will have to pick up, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think right now there's an opportunity. There's been several opportunities. There was an opportunity, Mm -hmm. you know, during Reconstruction, Mm-hmm. And we chose otherwise, you know, with the Hayes Compromise right. and so many other things. Um, you know, there was a, a opportunity, you know, after desegregation, you mm-hmm. know, there, there's mm-hmm. been opportunities, but we've always missed those opportunities as a country. And I think there are opportunities now. And there was an opportunity in 2020 mm-hmm. to really shift some things. And it was a shaking up. There was a right. shaking up. But then you see even in the midst of a pandemic when we're all at our most vulnerable, everything is beyond our control. Right. We still put our heels in the ground and we'll still refuse to listen mm-hmm. and really come up with another excuse or another argument to push back. And the church has not been on the sidelines saying we need to listen and we need to mm-hmm. lift up the dignity in everyone right. or we don't need to dis- historically the church has never been there that's right you know uh, on the right side of history that's right you know and I'm not talking about there's outliers yes there are outliers and there are certain denominations but the church as a whole the majority of the church I mean denominations split over this hmm. there are denominations that are splitting now you know, over the education, um, anti-racism education. Right. You know, right. so it's it's really sad as it grieves mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. And what grieves me more is even when people that look like us are used um, to, to resist, you know, looking for a brown face that agrees with you. Right. I think that... Right. And that that has historically been done, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. this whole divide and conquer. And that's sad, you yeah, know, that, yeah. that hurts. It's a strategy. Deep. Yeah, it's yeah. a strategy. It's a yeah. strategy. And I hate to see um, how our community falls for that. But if right. you understand how um, the system of supremacy, white supremacy works, you'll understand why those things are done. And sometimes I think mm-hmm. it's very unconscious. People not, right. but when you see a pattern... 
you have to know this is a part of the system. You have to know this is a part of the system. This is so good. Aren't you loving this conversation? We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you are listening to today's podcast and would like to become a bridge builder in your community, guess what? Be the Bridge programs are available for youth, college students, adults, BIPOC, and transracial adoptees and adoptive parents. Our desire is for people to have healthy conversations about race, so we've provided guides to lead people through these discussions. Visit our shop at bethebridge.com to grab a guide and start conversations in your community. Thanks for staying with us. Let's get back to our conversation. <laughs> the media said Joe Biden's president. Ha 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 We break and divide every demonic confederacy against the election, against America, against that who you have declared to be in the White House. We break it up in the name of Jesus. We lose confusion into every demonic confederacy. Direct right now at this election directed specifically at the six states we come against people that are working at high levels right now with demonic confederacies and i'm asking you father that the true identity of michelle michael would be exposed the true yeah. identity father i'm asking you that that whole family and that those children they're not their children and that they're children of obama's best friend Father, we ask you that that whole lie would be exposed for the everyday person to see it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yep, you heard that right. White evangelical leaders not only laughing at the presidential election results, but praying against them. Oh yes, and worse, a white evangelical leader first believing the ridiculous conspiracy that Michelle Obama is somehow a man and that her children were birthed by Barack Obama's best friend, but prays that it be exposed. Okay. And then commits the heresy of invoking the Lord's name as a covering for this lie. Just wow. Okay. The sad thing is that some of you heard similar things from pastors and leaders you love and respect. Yep. We're about to go there. Do you, how do you feel about um, what's been done to call out Christian leaders, white Christian leaders, mm-hmm. um, who clearly understand, you know, God's creation, you know, human beings that He loves. Christ died for everyone, and their lack of effectiveness or or love and compassion in leading their congregations has there been enough to call them out on the basics of of just Christ like behavior and 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 the tenets of Christian faith applying to everyone. Like, so it's not a matter of you being able to, you know, um, uh, create this, this, um, uh, uh, in basically in theory that you're, you're doing the, you know, the law, you know, you're, you're, you're about upholding the law and, um, you have faith in Christ and all of this, but you're not actually doing what it takes to show that you are in lockstep with God and, and justice and all of those things. Has there been enough to call out leadership? that profess to know enough about God and, you know, are mm-hmm. well-studied and well-versed to hold them accountable. I don't know if call-out is the mm-hmm. answer mm-hmm. Um, because what we need here, because some people, when you call out, they do things for show. 
Okay. And there's no heart attached to it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we we saw this summer where mm-hmm. a lot of people, maybe they gave money or maybe they um, changed their Instagram to, to black or mm. maybe they interviewed some black people or maybe they hired someone, a brown person. But has there been any heart change? Mm. Right. And, right. you know, sometimes a call out will have someone to do some introspection. Mm-hmm. Um, but that introspection comes from conviction. And I think what we what I want to see is more people convicted to change mm-hmm. um, because that's going to be the thing that's sustainable for people. Um, so I think bringing things to people's attention is a part of it. Um, but the thing that's going to be that's going to give us longevity. And 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 lasting because when the heat comes, right, those that are just responding to the call out, they're gonna run. Mm-hmm, you know, they're not mm-hmm. gonna stay in this. They're not gonna stay in these conversations. They're not gonna stay in discomfort. But when you're convicted, mm-hmm. you will lose your job over it. You know, when you're convicted, and 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 you're being convicted. Um, by the Holy Spirit, I think that is the thing that sustains us. That is the thing that changes us, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that. I can tell when some people are, it's about show mm-hmm. and when it's about mm-hmm. a true conviction of the message of Jesus. And I think um, those are the things that cause us to be able to endure the the heat when things when when your congregation turns on you mm-hmm. or when mm-hmm. um, you you lose funding and you're like, you know. I'm going to keep it going right. when, you know, the tearing right. down of those idols that you've built up and mm-hmm. there's fruit to that, you mm-hmm. know, there's fruit mm-hmm. to that, that, and there's freedom in that. Um, but yeah, so I think there's a, it's a both and conversation. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think how we call out and this is just me as a person who, um, who my personality and the conviction that I have in this work of bridge building, you know, and how I, I call out. I think people have to be accountable. A call out is accountability. Right. And I call you out because I love you. But I think we have to lead with that love and kindness in the, in the call out, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but, be, but praying towards conviction. Um, because I don't want you just to be called out and you make a change or you do a post and then everything goes back to normal. Um, there's people that are doing this work. Let me tell you, there are people that are doing this work that are leading in this work that if you looked at the infrastructure of their organizations and their churches, there's been no shift you know, it's mm-hmm. there's there's not diversity in in the power structures um, within their own organizations, but they're talking about. It. So there's this major disconnect mm-hmm. in this show right. of 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 saying a lot of good things, mm-hmm. but still not applying it to every area of in your life. And I think if you are doing this work, then you're applying racial equity, racial healing, um, racial justice to every area That's in right. your life, whether it's a business, um, where it's an organism, uh, you know, where it's an organization, mm-hmm. um, or just how you lead your family, you right, know? And right. so it's one way to say, I'm doing this, 
I'm going to, you know, make these changes in my business. But then if you're not doing it in your family, if you're not teaching it to your kids, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's not a conviction. And I think when we have a conviction, it's not about show. I think it's about, you know, really aligning my heart with that of the fathers, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's that's why. I think it's just a both and conversation. I think there needs right, to be accountability, right. mm-hmm. but um, also there has to be, um, for those being held accountable, there, it has to be led with conviction. Mm. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. And they can withstand whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you can't, if you haven't made up your mind. Because people right. will tap out. That's right. People will tap out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we all get exhausted in this work, mm-hmm. you know. But sometimes when I see people tapping out, it's like when things happen, mm-hmm. this is when we need, you know, our accomplices, not not allies, but right, we need accomplice, right. mm-hmm. accomplices to bear the burden, mm-hmm. to hold up our hands because we may need to take a breath because it's hitting us a different way. Right. And it's not to say you don't get exhausted in this work, but this is where I think there's a big difference between an ally and an accomplice. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, they're more than in it when... Um, when the the going gets tough, but you know what? I'm going to take the front line. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to um, be beside you. I'm going to be behind you. You know, I'm going to support you. You know, um, I think that's what's needed in in these times. You know, where if I need to take a break, you know, if I need a timeout, then there's someone that's rising to the challenge, but not about getting notoriety. Right. And not about, right. you know, getting, um, you know, a, a position um, or being heard or mm-hmm. being seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a conviction to say, you know, how do I, um, you know, how do I hold space, you know, um, but not take away from the space. And I think we've seen examples um, uh, of that. People are learning how to do that. Yeah, people are learning how to do that, you know. To be most effective. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what's most effective. So Mm -hmm. I think sometimes instead of thinking uh, what's most effective, asking the community, you know, what is going to be the most effective thing um, for me to do um, to help during this time? Is it the most effective to, um, to protest? You know, um, or is it the most effective um, thing for me and 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 my community is to um, you know make sure that I'm going to the PTA meetings and staying you know standing the ground for right. the people in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like right, I think you right. know so, you know some of the things I I saw um, this clip where these people were um, I don't know if it was in Oregon. But they were going around and having people, um, it was at a protest and they were having people to say, you know, do you believe Black Lives Matter? Say Black Lives Matter. Someone saying Black Lives Mm -hmm. Matter, Mm -hmm. you know, verbally does not change my black life. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so is that the most helpful? And my thing is clearly you're not being led by people of color because I don't think that's something that we would have you to do. Mm -hmm. I think there's another way to use your allyship and to become more of a accomplice. So if you're leading yourself, you're not really being helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not really being an ally. You're not really being an accomplice in this. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes you have good intentions, but to take a pause and say, am I listening um, to black and brown voices? You know, and in this space, I feel you know, right now, like, all right, you know, the same thing with, um, you know, um, stop the hate 
against Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. It's not for me to go out there and lead and, you know, try to apply what we're doing and um, our movement mm-hmm. to their movement. Mm-hmm. It's two different movements, two different historical stories, but both relevant. But it's up to their community and to lean into their community and say, you know, how can we be in solidarity? You know, what what conversations do we need to have? What is most helpful in this moment? You know, and I think sometimes that takes a pause instead of doing. Um, I think we have to do a lot more being and a lot more listening, um, you know, as allies, you know. We still have a little more unpacking to do as it relates to differences in how people who adhere to or claim to adhere to Judeo-Christian values see the world. How can people with the same set of rules and values based upon a shared belief system see the same things on social media and on the news and see it completely differently? The police chief says they stopped Dante Wright because he had an expired registration on his license plate. As I watch the video and listen to the officer's commands, it is my belief that the officer had the intention to deploy their taser, but instead shot Mr. Wright with a single bullet. You know the difference from a fully loaded pistol versus a stun gun. You know the difference. Always best to wait for the facts. Uh, file that one under not helpful. Uh, the idea that your tweet says another <laughs> life of the of a black man taken by law enforcement. He doesn't know what happened. Neither do we. Uh, I mean, it happens all year long, but there's something about going into the spring and the summer. It's almost like clockwork. You can almost guarantee these police officers are going to start killing people, killing people, killing people, killing people, killing people. Killing people, killing people. So, so let's talk a little bit more about Dante Wright, God rest mm-hmm. his soul, um, his murder, um, and how is it possible for within the same uh, body, um, body of Christ, you know, so to speak, uh, or church group that is under the same leadership to see that very specific. Um, not even incident, but but murder or killing, and see it in two different lights, two different. Mm-hmm. How is that possible? If we're serving the same God, have the same supposedly mm-hmm. perspective, we can look at something like that and walk away with two different points yeah. of view. We're saving this. We're serving the same God, but there's um, two different Americas and there's two different lived experiences. And I think um, our belief systems and our values. Um, they are a product of our lived experiences also. And so how we, the lens that we're looking through uh, with someone like a Dante, um, you know, we're, we're seeing a kid that was scared. We're taking mm-hmm. in the factors of, you know, this is something that is happening in Minnesota where this is, wasn't the first case. That's right. It's not the second. It's mm-hmm. not the third. They've had several instances and so it lets you know there is something underneath. There is something systemically wrong that they're still not getting it, you know, and this mm-hmm. is beyond training. Um, you know, when we're looking at Dante, we see a scared kid. And even as I look at this, I don't know how I would react right. if I'm being pulled over for something minor, misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. And there's five people there. Right. And they mm-hmm. have you know, pointing guns at me. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't know what you would do in that situation. So I think there's a, there is this deep um, way that the black community empathizes. We Mm -hmm. are givers of empathy. We are Mm -hmm. givers of the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, we are not, we are, we are 
um, givers of grace that is not always bestowed upon us. And I think, you know, when 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 this is looked at in a in a different lens, you know, in a in a different cultural lens, um, it's like this this right versus wrong. But when it comes to us, it's like our rights are always this 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 blurred vision mm-hmm. that people have mm-hmm. um, for um, for our community. And I think in in and through some of the lens and this is how it's looked at, you know, is there's well he didn't comply, he got back in his car. Um. We take in the factors of everything that's happening. Right. This kid was on the phone with his mom. Right. He was scared. Mm-hmm. He was nervous. He's seen people that look like him, you know, murdered. Right. For doing the the small moving. How about after know? they're handcuffed? Exactly. After yeah. they're yeah. handcuffed. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you have to bring that into account. And then the thing is, like, so if someone doesn't comply, this 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 kid looked like he weighed maybe 120 pounds, you know, um, that does that equate to death? Right. And, you know, and mm-hmm. and so, you know, just just the amount of force this, th- that was used in that situation um, was excessive. Mm-hmm. And I think we take into account the historical factors. And I think right. sometimes on the other side of that, um, people in the majority culture, white people, they don't understand or know the historical side of this. You know, mm-hmm. they don't know um, some of the data statistics that are coming out of Minnesota, you know. Um, and so I think those things come into play when you're talking about um, a Dante, you know, and why we see things different. The same way we saw things different with Trayvon Martin, Eric Garner, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because it's like black people st- stereotypically are dangerous and we must be dealt with. Right. But you've never seen this story with a white person, a white young boy. Right. Like white young boys don't drive around with um, an air freshener or, um, you know, that... Or even after they've shot after up a they've shot, yeah, or a school. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so you have to know that there's a deep problem here. Mm-hmm. And these situations keep bringing up, you know, opportunities for to, for us to have a deeper conversation with it. And I don't think, you know, that's, that's happening, you know, mm-hmm. um, because we have a very short-term memory when it comes to um, these incidents, because we were just here last year with Ahmaud Aubrey, that's right, and with George Floyd, and at the same time, George Floyd, his trial is happening. You know, his trial is happening right like ten miles from where this incident mm-hmm. happened, and so I, I think if anybody should be able to get this, um, it should be the church. But we've the church has ingested the same thing that the world has ingested. It's not a separate system. It's just part of the same unhealthy right. um, empire system. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at the church, um, we should be kingdom minded. Mm-hmm. And kingdom minded, you know how we say the upside down kingdom of God um, is countercultural. You know, and if we, you know, if we look at history, mm-hmm. um, things that are. Um, that are legal sometimes are not just, you know, because, you, you, you know, someone say may say, well, it, it was illegal for him to try to flee, mm-hmm. you know, but was it just? Was the, the excessive force just? Right. And so some things that are illegal are not always just and some things that are just are not always legal. That's right. You know, that's right. And, you know, and I think that is some of the things that separate. We we're always supposed to 
as the people of God and as the kingdom of God, we should always err on that of the side of justice and righteousness. Right. And I think that's, you know, that's the thing that we miss in this, in this, um, in this work. And, and, you know, because there should have been a point in time, if that, if that's the philosophy of what the kingdom of God um, is, the example of that, mm-hmm. then slavery should have never existed. Especially exactly in a right. country that says it was founded on Christ, Christian principles. Mm-hmm. That doesn't even align. Mm-hmm. And for us to continue to keep saying that is like a slap in every brown, black and brown person's face, you know, especially African Americans, right. because they don't align. I mean, look, if you even read the writings of Frederick Douglass, like when his um, slave master became a Christian, he became more cruel. Mm. So wow. I would question wow. the fact yeah. that if he ever if he ever became a Christian, right. because that doesn't align with scripture. But then mm-hmm. you have people who through, you know, like William Wilberforce, who through their faith in the the um transformation of their faith, faith, um, there was a shift, there was a change that happened. And we didn't see that. We don't mm-hmm. see that in a lot of um, Christians. Now, it did happen with some, mm-hmm. um, but I'm just saying as a whole, you know, um, people may have been spiritual, but were they Christian? And right. I think, you know, that's the difference where a lot of times when we, we're reading the Bible through our cultural lens, you know, some of us are reading um, in the fact that, you know, we read the lens of the Bible through that of the um, the marginalized, you know, mm-hmm. when if we're truly looking at empire, um, you know, Western culture, you know, you're not Esther, you mm-hmm. know, in this story, you know, you're, you're probably Haman, you right, know, right, <laughs> you know, right. you know, you're, you're, you're Pharaoh, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, and because look at how we, how we've written the history books that we teach in our schools, you know, we've written like, we were Pharaoh and you so left true. the story of the children of Israelites out of it, mm-hmm. you know, when we're called to remember so we can understand where God has brought a community of people and what, what how God has redeemed and transformed and restored. Um, you know, we're called to remembrance. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, um, those are just things that I see where we have more of an empire thinking rather than a, a, a kingdom thought, you know, mm-hmm. where, you know, we have mixed in so many things into Christianity. I mean, you have Christians right. that are lying, aligning with conspiracy theories that have no base of truth. Mm-hmm. And you're, you could be looking truth right in the face. And it's still denied, and it just baffles. It's it it is you're sad by it, and you're baffled by it. But then you understand that we're not fighting against flesh and that's blood, right. and that's yeah. when I have to look at this is spiritual darkness, like these blind spots, what people are seeing and saying. Like this is this goes deep, and this is a spiritual battle that we're in. And I think um, we have to see it that way. And I hope that. Um, that others begin to see it and we have to pray against this spiritual darkness. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that's the way. And so that I'm not vilifying people so that I can have compassion to continue to do the work Mm -hmm. that I'm, you know, that I'm doing. I have to see it that way. Like my brothers and sisters are like in darkness, right? Like for real. 
in 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 its most simplistic form or how you could kind of give this as a as a a nugget to someone how would you um explain the difference between kingdom thinking and empire thinking yeah that's a good question i know i know the conversation is so good and you're ready to keep listening well this was so good, you got to come back and hear the second part of this conversation. Don't worry, we're going to start with kingdom and empire thinking next time. Trust me, you don't want to miss Latasha's insights. Until next time, let's remember to build bridges and not walls. Go to the donors table if you'd like to hear the unedited version of this podcast. In the next episode, you'll hear... Even in death, um, we, we could not be buried in a cemetery where there were white bodies, you know? And it would be funny if it wasn't real. You know, it, w- it would be funny if, if, if it wasn't real. And- Thanks for listening to the Be The Bridge podcast. To find out more about the Be The Bridge organization and or to become a bridge builder in your community, go to bethebridge.com. Again, that's bethebridge.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on this platform and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was edited, recorded, and produced by Trayvon Potts at Integrated Entertainment Studios in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. The host and executive producer is Latasha Morrison. Lawrence C. Brown is the senior producer. Brittany Prescott was our transcriber. Please join us next time. This has been a Be the Bridge production. Be the Bridge, 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 be the Bridge. Be the bridge.